so you guys know this tune, eh? How does it go? So let's close in prayer. It's that simple, right? Thanks, guys. It's just, I, I, I hear this song and I, get, I actually get angry because it's just like whistling away, you know, here's a little song I wrote, you know, don't worry, just be happy. You know, just be happy, don't worry. And if it was that simple, right? But I don't know if this guy was on drugs. I would like some of it because this week, the last seven days, it was very difficult to be happy, right? How many of you at stage six load shedding when every device was flat and nothing was working in your house and you had nightmare traffic? You were just whistling, right? What was going through your mind was, don't worry, be happy. You know, all your way to work in that traffic, all your way through everything. When you had to put diesel in your car, you were whistling, right? When you read the news and you saw some of the political stuff going on in our country, you were just whistling, right? Don't worry, be happy now. When you were kind of just going through all your circumstances that are kind of in your life right now, I'm sure the song was just on repeat in your mind, right? Because it's just that easy, hey? You just stop worrying and you just be happy. You know, I said no one ever. Because of how difficult our circumstances are right now in our lives. When we just think about everything that we're going through, just what's happening in our lives financially. I mean, I didn't even mention Friday's uh, interest rates announcements and just some of the stress that's just compounded with all the circumstances that we are kind of facing on a daily basis. And so we live with growing anxiety. This epidemic that is gripping not just us, but the whole world. And as we've been going through this series, Anxious for Nothing, we've been unpacking some of the stats that right now the world is more anxious than what it has ever been. But if we look at the circumstances, are we surprised? Because things are just so difficult, so concerning, so fearful, so intense that people are just increasingly feeling that pressure, feeling that worry, and it's gripping our lives. But thankfully, what we're going to dive into today is that we can potentially flip that script in our own lives. We're, we're able to somehow, despite all our circumstances, not feel the pressure that those circumstances bring. We've been wading into a New Testament book called Philippians, and we've been spending a lot of time in Philippians 4. We're going to be there again today. So if you have some form of a Bible, uh, go there. If you've got a paperback or a phone, whatever, just go there. We, it's good to read it together. It is also going to be on the screen. But we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4. And we're only going to look at a few verses, um, Philippians 4, verses 4 through to 7. But before we read them, it's important to know a little bit about what's happening as the writer's writing these words. 
So it is in the New Testament, a lot of our New Testament were letters that were written to churches. This particular letter was written by someone who we call the Apostle Paul. What he did was he traveled around the known world at the time, and he would go to places and he would preach the gospel, he would tell people about Jesus, he would establish churches, he would train up leaders, and then he would move on. And there would be times when he would get a break, he would get a gap in his traveling schedule where he would write back letters where he would encourage uh, these churches that he started. While he's writing this letter, he happens to have some time out. He's got a break, he's got some breathing room to write a letter. Do you know why he's got some breathing room? He's in prison. He has found himself jailed for preaching the gospel. And he is writing to a church that he has started and he is encouraging them. So when you read these words, we're about to read, in your mind know that he is writing these words from a prison cell where he is jailed for preaching the gospel, serving Jesus, right? You shouldn't be experiencing these kinds of circumstantial hardships when you are full-time serving the Lord. But here, nonetheless, he finds himself in prison writing these words that we are about to read. And so from verse four of Philippians chapter four, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. Okay, remember he's in prison, right? What are his circumstances? He is locked up for serving Jesus. He is locked up for preaching the gospel and taking the joy of the Lord to those who need it. And he writes the words, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. His circumstances should not um, dictate this level of happiness, right? This level of joy. But he is able to, in spite of all of his circumstances, say the words rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. I tell you again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is nearby. I think this is where the guy got the words for the songs. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to the Lord. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, this passage for me is, is really hectic because, again, knowing exactly where the writer is in his life, for him to be able to say, let us rejoice. Let's, with thankfulness, come before the Lord and bring everything that we need. And then these words, then the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Where does anxiety live? Where, where does anxiety exist in our lives? Right, it's in our head and our hearts. When we let those guards down and we let circumstances dictate to us what's going on, that's when it grows. That's when we start to get overwhelmed by everything that's happening in our lives. And what the writer Paul here is offering and encouraging and what he's kind of saying is on offer for us today is in spite of our circumstances, in spite of what is uh, the pressure from outside, something exists for us that guards our hearts, it guards our minds, it gives us peace that passes all understanding. 
And I think I want that. I think I want my heart and my mind guarded more. Because when I, when I live in this world that we live in, I'm constantly being assaulted by the pressures that exist as a husband, as a, as a father, as, as a South African, as, as someone who's in community with other people. It's tough. And so my mind and my heart are always at war with the pressures of this world. But something exists for me, this peace of God that passes all understanding that, that guards me. And Paul has it because he's in prison, right? His circumstances aren't dictating his state of being. He's somehow rejoicing in prison because the external circumstances on pressures are not affecting him. He's got this peace that passes all understanding and his heart and mind are guarded. So, so how do we access that? How do you and I get to that place where we are, are flipping the script in our own lives and are living in that peace. And the word is in the passage and it's so surprising. It's the word thanksgiving. Gratitude and thankfulness because Paul says, with thankfulness, present your requests to God and the peace of God that transcends all understanding, God's your heart's and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, gratitude, gratitude is fascinating. So the Harvard School of Medicine has done a number of studies, and when they started to do some studies in the power of gratitude or an attitude of gratitude, other universities across the world uh, and research institutes started to investigate the power that gratitude has on people. So here's some things and studies that they did. The University of Harvard took three groups of people. They broke them up into, into three groups, and over 10 weeks, each group had to do this uh, different things every single day. So group one, every day, they had to write down and journal everything that they were grateful for in the day. Only thoughts of gratitude. The second group, they had to write down everything that irritated them. So things that frustrated them were irritating, they kind of cheesed them off. And the third group had to just be neutral. So they just had to write uh, the events uh, as just like a narrative of what happened through the day. So what was really interesting and the stats that, uh, the, the study that came out of the people that wrote the positive things that were grateful for the day started to feel more optimistic about life. Over the 10 weeks, they started to exercise on their own without any encouragement. How's that for an interesting byproduct of just being uh, grateful for the things in their life? And overall, just their mood, their happiness was increased, and they were displaying greater uh, signs of happiness than the other two groups. Another thing that came out of the same study was the group that were um, journaling gratitude went to the doctor less than the other two groups. Health improving, happiness improving, starting to exercise naturally. Very, very interesting. Uh, this was then kind of picked up on in Berkeley University. Uh, they did this study in their fundraising department. 
So universities are expensive. So uh, they've got uh, people who phone past students uh, to donate money to the university. Split the group into two. One group got a personal thank you each week from the head of fundraising. So people were grateful towards them. Second group didn't. The group that was living in more of a space of gratitude made 50% more phone calls a week than the other team. Just this living in a space where people were expressing gratitude towards them were just doing better work. Another study, they did a study with marriages that were in a bit of a hard space. But attention, things weren't going great. And they encouraged people in the marriage to uh, express gratitude to their spouses for all the things that they are doing in the marriage and in the home. Guess what happened to those marriages? They started to improve because what they found was that communication became genuinely easier. They found that couples were being more vulnerable with each other. Couples that were genuinely expressing gratitude were kinder. They were more gentle. Just amazing what they found out when people live with thankfulness. Another study was done where they took a group of people and they said, is there someone that you know in the past that missed a moment of thanks? That they deserved recognition and a thank you and uh, they missed it. What would it look like if you went back and did that? So I'm talking like an old teacher, a neighbor, a you know, bus driver, things like that. And so they wrote a letter to the person and delivered it and said, thank you for what you did in the past. The, the research in that found that both people had greater happiness that lasted well over a month from one act of gratitude. There's something about living in the space and having a genuine attitude of gratitude that really starts to flip the script on what we're facing. And so Paul understands something when he writes, don't be anxious about anything, but with thanksgiving, present everything to, to Christ in prayer, and then this peace of Christ, the peace of God, which God's our hearts and minds. We live in that place. So unpacking all of the stuff around gratitude, there's really some, some interesting things. And there's six things that all of these studies uh, unpack for us that if we start to shift and move into a place of gratitude as a, a way of life, these are some of the things that become true for people who live with gratitude. So it reduces stress. So many studies found that there is a direct uh, relationship between increased levels of gratitude in our lives and decreased levels of stress. Another study found, and, and I mean, this is amazing, improved quality of sleep. A study was done on people who were diagnosed with clinically impaired sleep. How many of us battle to sleep at night? How many of us wish we could just sleep better through the night? 
they took these people who were clinically impaired with their sleep and just got them to write out things they were thankful for and their sleep improved. Isn't that just amazing? So just being thankful for what we have in our life, immediately your stress starts to reduce and your sleep starts to get better and those two things are already a compounding effect for the good. By being thankful, a study was done on 111 patients who were in hospital with advanced heart failure. And they started to get them to practice gratitude. What do you think happened with these people who were uh, at advanced heart failure? They died. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Medicine was not helping these people. They were at the end, and so people came in and tried to see if gratitude would have an effect on them where medicine was failing. And the stats came out that their health improved radically where medicine was failing them because their headspace changed and they started to experience more joy and more life because they realized how much good was in their life when they started to practice gratitude. This was a clinical study done at an advanced stage of heart failure, and it turned their health around. Can't make this stuff up. Advanced, enhanced relationships. I've already shared the stat with you around a manager who came and said thank you to the staff, and their work rates improved by just every week saying thank you. Relationships in marriages were improving because they were practicing gratitude. There was just greater gentleness in marriages, greater communication, greater vulnerability. They found that the study was true for friendships. Friends who thanked friends for stuff that they did in their lives found that um, their friendships were improving and they were having better quality of friendships. And if gratitude exists in our relationships, the, the, the studies done on, on children and parents and parents and children, our core relationships are always improving where gratitude is a core behavior in all of our relationships, no matter what they are. And they found as a byproduct of that, there's decreased loneliness. We spoke about how isolation is killing us as a society coming out of COVID and trying to turn that tide. They found that people who lived with an attitude of gratitude experienced decreasing levels of loneliness. And again, because relationships are just better when people are more grateful with all of these things. And then obviously the, the last one is just all of these things combined is they just found people were happier when the dominant behavior and attitude in their lives was that of gratitude, where they lived in a space of being more thankful for everything that's going on in their lives than those who are not. And again, this is difficult, right? Because with circumstances, it's hard to be thankful when so much is bad in our lives. But then how do we get there? How do we begin fostering an attitude of gratitude? How do we get to this place? And the first thing is perspective. And perspective is incredible for us. And the first one is, is, our, is our heavenly perspective. And I think gratitude can only start and end at the cross. 
See, for us as followers of Jesus, we have something that the world does not have. And that's someone who's overcome the world. That we gather here today, and in spite of our circumstances, if we look at our circumstances, it's like a tide that just overwhelms us. And it's wave after wave that just keeps hitting us. And we feel like we're drowning in the circumstances of the world. But what was what one of the things our Savior said? Take heart. I've overcome the world. And that perspective for a believer is that this world is temporary but I lift my gaze a little bit and I look eternal. And what is my hope? No pain, no suffering. When my king, who is the king of kings, returns, he makes all things new. And I love this analogy, and Steve and I use this a lot. Where I am right now in history is the empty cross, the empty tomb, and we're waiting the glorious return of our victorious Savior, Jesus. It's like a soldier who has to enter into battle, but the battle's done. The enemy's defeated, we've won. And so my perspective in life is shaped by the work that has been completed by my Savior, Jesus. And so I get to live with joy despite my circumstances, and I think that's what gripped Paul's heart. I think that's what held him in a place where he could say, rejoice, and I rejoice. You know, he's in chains in prison, and he's got joy in his heart because he knows the work of his Savior, Jesus. This is how we start to foster an attitude of gratitude is when we look at the empty cross, and we understand the perspective of this world is so finite compared to the infinite glory of our Savior, Jesus that troubles, well, painful for you right now. And I don't ever want to diminish what you're going through because I know many of our stories. It is painful. But our ability to rejoice in those circumstances and our ability to have thanksgiving in those circumstances is nothing can take away my eternity. No sickness, no finances, no government. There isn't a pain in this world that can take away the completed, finished work of Jesus Christ. And I live with that reality. This is why we hear those incredible stories of people who are on their final breaths, having their bodies racked with cancer, and there's just joys in their eye, just joy in their life, tears in their eyes, because they know when they close their eyes on this world, they open their eyes on the next, and all their pain is gone because of the work of our Savior, Jesus. And so this is massive for us, is to realign our perspective of what really this life means for us. And then there's our earthly perspective with that. You know, I was reminded when Jesus taught his disciples to pray in Matthew 6, he was teaching, seek first the kingdom, seek first all of his righteousness, Pray for the kingdom to be established. And then what does he pray for us? He says, when you then pray, ask for your daily bread. And I was thinking about that as our earthly perspective is we just seek Jesus. And all we actually need is our daily bread. And I love the contrast of the weight of those two things. And he's teaching disciples to pray. While you live in this earth, pray for my kingdom to be established on earth. Pray uh, for, for people to know me, my kingdom as it is on heaven, here on earth, and what you need to pray for is just your daily bread. 
I wonder how much of our anxiety is self-inflicted. Because what we are chasing is well past what we actually need. And I wonder what it would look like for our perspective on earth if we kind of wade through not what we want. There's a Francis Chan, a pastor in the States, he, he had this incredible little thing for us to think through and use it as a framework. If we are, are chasing all that we want, we're gonna be living in a space where we never have enough. But if we get to a place to live in only what we need, we're gonna find that we live in incredible abundance. And we're encouraged to pray, Jesus, just give me what I need, my daily bread, because that's enough. And what I should be pursuing is not the lifestyle that is portrayed in every magazine and and the, the false dream that we see with all the influences on social media. And when we fall into that trap and going, I need to get this lifestyle and I need that car and I need to match up with that person at that life stage. Again, there's nothing wrong if you are there. But if that's what you're chasing and you feel that's what you need, you're never gonna get there because there's always gonna be someone ahead when you reach there and you're gonna feel insignificant and inferior and you don't have enough because then you move past that and you're chasing the whole time. Where contentment comes from, what do I need? And when I live within what I need, I find so much pressure leaves me. And I see that I'm living in all that Jesus has for me. And then what I get to chase is his kingdom and his righteousness. And so our perspective is so important in, 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 in getting gratitude right. Our heavenly perspective, our earthly perspective. And then number two, to foster gratitude is practice. You know, some of those stats and studies came after 10 weeks of people journaling every day just what they're thankful for. Taking the time every single day to write, I am thankful for the air in my lungs. I'm thankful that I had a meal. Again, that's our, our, our perspective of maybe it wasn't A5 Wagyu steak, but it was a toasted cheese sandwich but it's food, right? And what do I need? I need food. And so I'm thankful for food. You know, I don't live in the, the biggest estate or anything like that, but Jesus, I'm thankful for my, my roof over my head. And that perspective of gratitude starts to shift our perspective and we realize how much we have and what we have is actually maybe what we need and it starts to shift our hearts and our minds and then we start to live at peace because I actually have what I need. And so that peace of God starts to transcend all of my circumstances. I'm grateful, Jesus, that you got me through another really tough day. Like you have gotten me through every single tough day of my life. And Jesus, I'm still standing and you carried me. And so practicing gratitude, you know, journaling might be tough for some of us, but somehow figuring out time regularly, trying to get there every day to practice being grateful, one to the Lord, thanking Him for everything that you have, thanking your spouse. Marriages are so important for our stress and anxiety and practicing gratitude with our spouse might be very difficult because I don't know where you're at in your marriage. One of you's got to start, so maybe be that person and say thank you to them for all that they're doing. 
and don't stop thanking them. The stats prove that you enter into that space, things change in your marriage. Things will change in your workspace. Things will change with your kids. Things will change with your parents. Things are gonna change with the Lord. That if you start to practice being grateful for what we have and shifting our perspective. You know, church, just imagine with me for a bit here. How many people do you know right now besides yourself that are stressed out, that are anxious? And imagine what we could be for them if we started to live with the peace of God that passes all understanding. That if people look at us and go, but your circumstances, how can you be rejoicing? How can you be thankful with what's going on? And we can share with them, but our joy is not rooted in circumstances, but something far greater. It's my Jesus. It's my Savior who has secured so much more than the temporary in this world, but he gives me peace that passes all of this. And that we start to live with gratitude and people get to see that attitude in us. Because it's amazing, right? We sometimes get overwhelmed with people who, and we don't know how to engage with people who don't know Jesus. Just living in gratitude can have an impact on their eternity because they get to see something in us a peace that doesn't make sense. And we get to invite people into that peace. We get to invite people into that hope that we have because we have joy and gratitude because it was us who should have died for our sins, but Jesus who went to our place, he died the death we should have died, rose again victoriously over everything, including our troubles, and we await his glorious return where he makes all things new and I live in that grace and peace. And when I'm thankful for that and I'm exhibiting that every day in all my relationships, it's going to impact my family, it's gonna impact my marriage, it's gonna impact my work, it's gonna impact my neighbors, it's gonna impact on those in my life who don't know Jesus, it's gonna impact strangers because I'm just grateful. And so we need to start flipping the script in our own lives on this. Again, there's actually just too much at stake for us to not start shifting to a behavior of gratitude. Uh, Craig, can you and Shanae actually come up? And, and um, what we're gonna do is we're gonna start to practice that. Um, they were singing the song, Yes, I Will. So guys, I'm just gonna, on the spot, just do it acoustically and um, just um, sing that song over us. And as they're singing, the song is even when I'm in the lowest valley, Yes, I Will. Because again, what I'm asking you to do is flip the script on some very painful things in your life. I'm asking you to, to start to look past very hard circumstances and put into practices, don't be anxious, to be anxious for nothing. And one of the powerful tools at our disposal is gratitude. And while they're singing, start to pray quietly and use this time to start saying all the things you're thankful for. Thankful for your salvation. Thank you for what Jesus has done. Thank you for the clothes on your body, the whatever food you ate this morning. Just whatever it is, just start to practice gratitude while they're singing and say, yes, I will, Jesus. Yes, I'll be thankful. Yes, I'll be grateful. Yes, I'll praise you no matter what. Because what you've done transcends my circumstances. My hope in you transcends every fear I have. 
So Jesus, as we start to, to shift the script in our own lives, Jesus, help us to say, yes, I will. Yes, I will practice gratitude because it changes everything, actually. When I live in that perspective and hope, Jesus, that you have given me, how can we not be grateful for all that you've done? How can we not declare our thanks and our praise for what you have done and how you hold us? Jesus, we're gonna sing words, you've never failed us. And that's a truth that we can all stand on because we're here still today. And even through our worst, you've not failed us. And so we can say, yes, I will. So Jesus, help us to start shifting past our circumstances, past all the things that are warring in our hearts and our minds that are causing us to be anxious. And so Jesus, as we start to live with an attitude of gratitude and thankfulness, Jesus, for everyone here, as they start to pray now, I pray that your peace would guard their hearts and minds, a peace that transcends all understanding. So start to pray quietly. If you wanna pray as a husband and wife or as a family, pray. Uh, if there's somebody around you and it's just on their own, maybe just go pray with them. But just start to pray thankfulness to the Lord as the, the team just ministered to us briefly and then I'll close off for us. choose to 
to lift you up even in our lowest valleys. As we say those words, Jesus, even when our hearts are heavy and circumstances are overwhelming, you are greater. And it's our joy to trust you and praise you and to thank you for everything that's going on in our lives. Such a joy for us to do that and we honor you and praise you. Jesus, in your holy name, amen. Church, um,